Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast that's devoted to living enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. Our goal with this podcast is to help people to maximize their potential as they go through the lifespan. In this regard, I frequently have guests who not only lead their lives enthusiastically, but also help others to do so. And that's going to be our situation today. I am your host, Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. Nobody really embodies that a whole lot more than today's guest. Robert Hill is a research scientist who has helped others who have arthritis reduce their suffering. Now, I know many of us have experienced tremendous health, longevity, the avoidance of preventable diseases through the wonders of medicine. But sometimes it doesn't work because we're all complex individuals. And sometimes being able to take charge of the direction of your health, utilizing science, utilizing principles that have now been adopted by alternative medicine, integrative medicine, and functional medicine can help us manage our own health in a most effective way. So I'm really interested to hear what Robert has to say to us. So welcome to Rejuvenating, Robert. We're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you, Ron. I'm happy to be here as well. My goal is pretty much to help people live a more fulfilled life without all these stresses and, and worries about what might happen if they do come down with some form of illness that is preventable. Great. Why don't we start just like right at the beginning in terms of knowing who you are. I introduced you as a research scientist. What's your area of research and what kinds of things have you done? Well, my primary research as a career has been in mathematics. And I've supported many medical systems along the way, like blood gas analyzers or systems that do an ultrasonic scan to determine now they use it for the sex of the baby. When it first started, it was more for what problems might occur or what lens do you need after cataract surgery. So most of it's been mathematics, but I have had a lot of conferences with doctors and biologists and chemists along the way and realized the importance of minor amounts of substances can make a huge difference in the outcome from those different experiences. But my understanding is if somebody had met you when you were 11 or 12, you may not have predicted quite the degree of activity and success. And I think that probably is where we should start so that we can learn a little bit about how you got interested in all of this medical-related alternative treatments and some of the things that have helped you. So, Robert, why don't you tell us what happened early in life and how that kind of helped shape you? Well, I was 11 or 12. I was going with my younger brothers and sisters to an ice cream parlor and being in a big rush to get that ice cream, I was running through a laundromat and put my hand through a plate glass window I had a five or six inch shard of glass up my right arm. The doctors, after they did the surgery, said I would pretty much lose the use of that hand. At that time, I was going for pre-med, even though I was in junior high, I had a very strong mathematical mind, and they said I was heading that way. I just lost the use of my right hand, and I didn't know what to do. My dad took us to Chinatown, and an older gentleman handed me a set of Chinese medicine balls and said, just use these. For six months, they would fall from my hands, but within a year, I could grip the balls. Within three years, my finger dexterity was off the charts so I could be a neurosurgeon if I chose. 
unfortunately, I don't like the sight of blood, so I chose computers instead. <laughs> Sounds like a good choice. <laughs> and from that time on, did you maintain an interest in, in alternative approaches, or was there some other point in life that got you focused on things like arthritis and things that work, again, Traditional medicine works most of the time, but we're all such complex individuals, and we all have a responsibility to take care of our own health and be a partner in its care. So I'm wondering, at what point did you see this as kind of, a, it sounds almost like a calling on your part? Well, as I went through my life, I can mention one of my early jobs was at Beckman Instruments, determining what's in your blood or urine, and that results in what sort of prescription do you need? And when the doctors would tell me, we need 16-digit accuracy, I know that doesn't mean a lot, but my calculator only had 8-digit accuracy at the time, so we had to write the software to cover that. But that let me know a minute quantity of a substance can make all the difference in your health. If you're lacking zinc, you may have a better chance of prostate cancer. Or if you have plenty of zinc, that's a good alternative. Just take zinc. I've met people that reverse prostate cancer that way. After that, as I said, I was at a desk a lot of my career, and as I exercised less and less, which is very important, keep exercising. But as I exercised less and less, I came down with what's called carpal tunnel syndrome. Doctors said I might need surgery. I saw a chiropractor as an alternative. And in three sessions, I had my shoulder back. And it never required surgery. And that was 30 years ago. Never came back. That's one example of many alternative methods. And the other piece has to do more with the emotional part of this. As a child, they had a lot of anger issues. My older brother happened to be a bully, and I was his target. So as I worked on those anger issues, I noticed health improving as well, releasing that tension that's stored in the muscle because it couldn't act at the time of the trauma, the bullying trauma. So those kind of pieces that are, are part of that as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this emotional part of it because a lot of times people just kind of separate the physical from the emotional, not recognizing how one impacts on the other. There are different studies that have been made and the percentages vary, but all of them show that a big part of the diseases that physicians see in their office, a big part of the, those diseases in the patients who present with them are really related to emotional factors that play themselves out in the physical area. Now, I know you call yourself an arthritis survivor. First of all, I, I'm aware of the fact with a cancer survivor, you usually have no traces of the disease. Number one, what is an arthritis survivor? And number two, it's my understanding that a big part of what you're doing to help other people now involves the disorder of arthritis. As I did my research about exactly what arthritis is, it's primarily an inflammation of the system that our immune system itself cannot handle. And I'm also a gardener, and I know the importance of food. So I just started to wonder, what am I missing in my diet, or what am I having in my diet that's causing this inflammation? And when I worked on that at the forefront, things changed rapidly. But what I mean by arthritis survivor, over a course of three or four years, I was seeing a doctor for intermediate stages of arthritis, reached a point where one knee's bone on bone and very wobbly, still a little wobbly, but it's improved. And I had pain 24-7. I didn't want to take the pain meds. I pretty much used cannabis indica. Some specific varieties were very, very good for arthritis pain. That's been way, way lowered. Now it's more fascia tissue, which is a side effect of arthritis. And essentially, today, actually it was starting four years ago, 
my joint mobility is back to where it was when I was in my 20s and 30s. I have no joint pain. It's primarily, like I said, fascia tissue where the muscles froze up from lack of use when I had the arthritis. I wasn't moving at all because it was just too painful even to move. And that's all gone. That's all behind me. I also have had x-rays done that show cartilages come back where I was bone on bone because I've been doing bone broth and herbal supplements that are supposed to help the immune system repair the body and the stem cells of the body repair it as well. Well, that's really fascinating. We've heard quite a bit about stem cells. As I understand, you've looked into that quite a bit too. And again, recognizing that we're dealing with medical disorders and we're not giving medical advice, but but what have you found out relative to stem cell, both research and therapies and so on? When I first discovered stem cells was an article in a scientific journal that talked about a gentleman, a sports figure, who had stem cell injections taken from his nose area and put into his spine. The complication was he grew a nose in his spine. So that's the danger of it. Essentially, stem cells are the cells of our bodies that do the repair work and the growth work. Every cell in our body started as a stem cell. The first stem cell, when the egg meets the sperm, it becomes a stem cell. From there, that's how everything is built. At around the age of 20 or 21, stem cells start to deteriorate. They're not 100% certain why, but there are a few studies that link alcohol consumption with destruction of stem cells. Others link sugar with the destruction of stem cells. So my thought is, rather than getting the stem cell injections, which are very expensive, two or $3,000 per joint, why not focus on what feeds the stem cells? What helps them be in a better environment to thrive on their own? So that's the approach I took. And as they say, the rest is history. Again, really fascinating stuff. So I'm wondering just generally, you know, we're, we're talking in some generalities to this extent, but... Well, I can uh, go way deeper if you want. I'm just trying <laughs> to keep it brief. Well, Different well, types of stem cells, what their purposes are. There's yeah. a lot to it, and how the liver plays a role, how the kidney plays a role. I've gone deep in the research, but I know we're limited on time. That's by placing this all into an ebook. Yeah, probably limited on time, and probably limited on people's some people's capacity to to absorb this in a short period of time, including me. But I'm wondering, from a practical standpoint, given some of the things that you've learned, how do you lead your life? kind of preventively? What, you know, if somebody were to follow you around for a few days or a week, how do you spend your time? I don't care about all of it, but how do you spend the health maintenance and management part of your time? Well, the main thing is how I don't do it anymore. When I would go to vacation in Oregon, the first place I would hit is a fudge shop. I'd buy four or five pounds of fudge to last me till the next stop. I change my diet drastically. I start the morning with a healthy breakfast, usually oatmeal and honey or maple syrup, safe forms of sugar. Lunchtime, I'll snack on vegetable sticks or fruit or rice crackers, something that doesn't have weed in it. Dinner time is an oily fish, free-range chicken, or something, along, something that I've discovered is healthier for my body. And once in a great while, if I get a craving, which is very rare now, it used to be daily, I would get a craving for chocolate cake. So I'll say, okay, I'll have that on my birthday, and I'll postpone it. And that's how I go about my life. I have a lot more salads. I've got the energy and the flexibility now. I grow a lot of my own vegetables. My neighbors are so jealous. They actually open the door when they see me coming instead of closing it, even with zucchini. <laughs> well, it sounds like, you know, 
you've gotten used to it, as I have in, in my own situation, that, you know, there was a time when I thought, geez, if I didn't have whatever you might mention, red meat or sugary dessert or things of that nature, that, you know, that that would somehow be not terrible, but somewhere on, on that side of the continuum. One of the things that I've discovered, and obviously you have, is that once you change, you don't care about it. You know, in other words, you really feel so much better when you're eating healthy that you don't miss it in any particular way. And, and, and that's, I, why I met, that's why I mentioned chocolate cake. That's about the only thing I miss. Everything else, ice cream, I can get healthy. Chocolate cake's a tough one. I used to have Bavarian creams. I don't even have a desire anymore. Once a, once a year, maybe, where that was every Sunday morning, two Bavarian creams and a banana nut muffin from the local bakery. It becomes a habit to eat garbage food, just like it can become a habit to eat healthy food. I don't even, even have to think about fast food because I don't go there. Hopefully your mention of Bavarian creams and stuff like that hasn't had the opposite effect on some of our listeners of uh, creating the craving. But I though both of us can assure them that if you eat healthy, you don't miss not eating healthy. What about exercise? Do you do anything in particular consciously or just in the course of your normal activities to make sure? Because I know with, with arthritis, you don't really want to be sedentary. Indefinitely. Well, that, that was the toughest part, as I mentioned, because it pretty much froze my body. I couldn't exercise. Even if I tried, it was just too painful. I didn't want to take the pain meds that ended up having me on pain meds the rest of my life. And even with the best cannabis, I still had pain. And it was enough to say, I don't want to exercise. When that pain went away, I hopped on my 10 speed I've had since the 70s. I'm going to sell it because it's worth a lot. But it was a comfortable ride. But at the same time, I don't need that expensive of a bicycle. I'll use one I purchased for 40 bucks. So I do that in the morning for 10 minutes to get my legs mo moving. Then I put it up on top of the desk to get my arms moving. And like I said, I'm gardening again bending down to the ground to pick fruit or pull weeds and reaching up to prune branches. So that's become part of an exercise routine. I never could walk because I have a fallen arch, so I have to find something else. I'm thinking about swimming. That's part of it too, keeping active. And another piece is I'm able to plan journeys again because it was difficult to drive to the store in pain. The last time I drove, I made it all the way to Mount Shasta from Southern California in a single drive with no pain. So that's back. I can travel again. That's why I like to travel. I like to travel on the road. And of course, all this stuff is reinforcing. The more that you do it, the more you get positive results, the more likely you are to continue to do it. I've even broken my Chinese medicine ball out of the cabinet. I haven't used them in years. When I started doing these podcast ideas, I remembered, oh, that helped me so much. I'm going to do that again. My fingers are faster. My typing is faster. I've only been doing it for three weeks. Yeah, well, you almost owe it to yourself to, to do <laughs> it because that's what started you on your journey in, in a lot of ways. But one thing that you brought up that I think is really important when you mention things like gardening and pruning trees and so on, that, you know, a lot of times when people think of exercise, they think of formally going to a gym and they're sometimes scared off by that, that there are people there who are, who've been going for years and they're way ahead of them and so on. And certainly all the research is demonstrating the fact that there are a lot of things from gardening to dancing to walking to, uh, as you said, biking to cleaning the house, things of this nature that in many ways have an exercise component to them. And if you 
kind of build it into your schedule so that you do a certain amount of it several days a week, you got to feel better over time. Well, that's what my wife does. She puts weights on her arms and legs when she cleans the house. She's walking with weights on her ankles, and she has weights on her arms when she's dusting. Oh, I, I should make sure my wife doesn't listen to this podcast and <laughs> suggest it to her. I don't, I don't know that she would go for it, but she's in pretty good shape, too. These aren't five-pound weights. These are little half-ounce, you know, little ounce lead pieces going into a bracelet. Just yeah, that's just a, a really great thing that we, we found out is that moves in the right direction, they don't have to be dramatic. In fact, you're better off not going from nothing to something hard as opposed to nothing that's something relatively easy and is motivating. So the lightweight's a really good thing. Robert, I think it would be helpful to know, I mean, we learned about you at the age of 11 or 12, but in the Rejuvenating podcast, we try to address it to a broad population range, but both my book and the podcast has a quite a number of people who are in their second half century of life. And I guess I have two questions. Number one, I don't need to know your age, but I'm assuming you also are in the second half century of life. 71. I had the first symptoms of arthritis at 62. I've helped people that had arthritis in their 40s reverse arthritis and lose weight and are back thriving and doing deep sea fishing and dancing again. Dancing's still a little shaky because my left knee still has a few problems, but I did ballroom dance, so knees are very important. Yeah. But other than that, I'm, I'm starting to try it. <laughs> like like right. you say, if I work that knee and get it to strengthen again, I may be back to doing ballroom, international ballroom dance. I really look forward to that. I just love ballroom dancing. Well, there seems to be no obvious reason to that, that you won't eventually be able to. I know with the knees, and I think it seems to be kind of a a forlorn conclusion that by the time you reach a certain age, at least one of the knees is going to be troublesome. But, you know, the, the reality is you're already doing a lot of good things. So with the motivation to do the ballroom dancing, I suspect you will be doing that. But in addition to what you're doing for yourself, how do you help other people? How do people either reach you? How do, you know, how, how do you spread the word? Because you've got a lot of, you know, really fantastic advice. It's very intimidating to do some of the things that you've done unless you have a certain amount of support. So, so how do you support and help others? A lot of times it's just in my daily life, if I'm in a hardware store and see somebody struggling, I give them some ideas and I suggest alternatives to what they might be buying in a vegetable, in a, a plant department sort of a thing. This might be more helpful. Or other times people in my local club that I belong to, some of them had similar illnesses so I introduced them to some supplements I came across. At the time, it was a network marketing company, so I signed up for that. Now you can just be a customer, so that's a piece of it. And I think that's maybe what helped me get off of sugar so quickly because it almost happened overnight. One day I'm eating sugar. The next day I suddenly realized I forgot to buy the sugar, and something in that helped reduce that craving. It's just a collection of supplements that have anti-inflammatories, antioxidants. I'm working on developing something with Steve to get the word out better. And for right now, it's through my email address, which is robbydobby314 at yahoo.com. And from there, I'm fanning out. Okay, you want to spell that for us? We'll have it in the show notes, but... R-O-B-Y-D-O-B-Y-314 at yahoo.com. 
Gobby Dobby, my wife's name for me on our honeymoon. First time she had champagne in her life. Instead of Robert, I'm Robbie Dobby. And 314 should be obvious as a mathematician. <laughs> yeah, that's pie. That's pie yeah, day. Pie. Yeah, pie day. Yeah. You eat pie on pie days? That's one of the things that changed. I still eat pie, but not as often. I'm a baker. My mom was a baker. So I bake chocolate chip cookies at Christmas, and that got me into a lot of trouble. Now, I used to eat dozens of cookies at Christmas. Now, I have one or two of my own, one or two of my wives, and I'm satisfied. All right. This is really great to hear because it, it sounds like you're leading your life like a normal person. It's not like you're this fanatic who is avoiding having fun and doing things that are fun. So I, I think that it's really a, uh, a great thing that you're sharing this with us. I think the only other thing that I would want to make sure that we're aware of, I know for myself, and I'm older than you, I may not be in the best shape that I've ever been in, but I'm certainly in the best shape that I've been in decades. So I know you can continue to improve. I anticipate continuing to do that. It sounds like in your case that that's true also, that you're certainly in better shape now than you were decades ago or close to it. And I'm just wondering, there are so many older people, for want of a better term, who have either had active lives and then retired and gotten away from it, and they've become more sedentary, more obese, and actually having less fun. And I'm just wondering, have you run into particular issues with the senior citizen generation? Are there things that, number one, that they may have some particular issues about, or are there hints that you've been able to apply particularly to them? Because it's less intimidating to tell a 25-year-old guy to, to go to the gym or to do some, some things other than changing eating habits, which I think is hard for everybody. But, you know, are there, are there things that you particularly would direct toward the older adults? The one person that I helped the most pretty much saved him from dying was a diabetic that weighed over 600 pounds. Jeez. His A1C was 16 at, when, I, when I talked to him about this. I had him take the stem cell supplements I was taking. He was taking 20 per meal. I was taking four a meal. Uh, he was taking 20 a meal, and I told him, get in a pool. The easiest thing, get in a pool. For this form of exercise, just tread water. If you can't tread water, tread with your arms and your feet on the bottom. Start simple, but start in water. It's the most gentle form of exercise you'll find. And he's is now today at 300, 350 pound range, traveling the world, sharing his story. And his A1C on a bad day is five and a half, six. Hmm. Boy, that's, that's amazing. And some of it may be the stem cells. That's something else I wanted to mention. The network marketing company that now accepts just customers, there's no need to be a distributor unless you choose to, is stemfoods.com. Okay, we'll include that in the show notes too. I guess the one remaining question, I may have said I had one remaining one, but this is remaining one. And oh, by the way, I weigh 235 at the start of my journey. Yeah, what do you and weigh Today now? I'm at 185 steady for the last four years. Oh, wow, that's terrific. I wasn't ever overweight, really, but I know just uh, since I started my journey within the past 10 years, I know I'm weighing roughly 20 pounds less than I did then. and. I still feel like I'm eating well, not going hungry. You actually can find that 
going hungry between a meal, for example, is not a bad alternative to eating something that's bad for you. But what I'm wondering, what you found is that some of the things in medicine didn't necessarily work most effectively for you. What about the other way around? In other words, if somebody is making some lifestyle changes and some things aren't happening the way that they might like, their health still is not where they want it to be, at what point do you encourage people to say, hey, I really should seek medical advice? And if I do, what should somebody who's interested in lifestyle changes, what should they be looking for in a doctor? Well, I've seen many different types of doctors. I, I do go to the MD first because the science is there as well. So I look at the science that's the proven science first. Then I say, what might be an alternative? Like take physical therapy, for example. Some is good, some is not. Depends on the training of that individual for that specific illness if you get the right person. Where if you go to something like yoga or just, like I said, just treading in the water, moving around in water, stretching your legs out in the water, that's another way of doing the same thing that physical therapy would apply. And as I mentioned, and you know this as well, so many illnesses are diet-related. Slowly drop one piece, add something to replace it. There are so many things that can do that, and before you know it, you're on a healthy diet. And the same thing with exercise. Start slow. Start with something simple. Like I said, the Chinese medicine bowl. All you're exercising, is you think, is your forearm and your hand. Simple changes. Start small. Yeah, and you could also make it much easier for your doctor if you're doing much of your care for yourself. So if you really need to see someone, that's probably a real problem that, that has to be addressed by medicine because a lot of the stuff, it sounds like, can be handled by yourself with appropriate lifestyle, exercise, social involvements, and food, staying active intellectually, just leading a good, healthy, active lifestyle. Oh, well, that was the mental piece. I didn't cover that, but the mental piece, obviously, that ties in with the emotional. If you go around feeling, well, I'm such a loser, I'm sick all the time, it's possible your thoughts will create more sickness because that's what you want. If you say, I'm getting better every day from what I'm doing, I want more that's going to make me better, the universe will provide it and help you get better. It works for some, others not. depends on your spiritual beliefs. There's so many pieces to this whole healing modality. When I mentioned other doctors, they include three or four different types of chiropractic. One almost put me in a wheelchair. Another got me out of it with three sessions. Others are more gentle. One didn't even touch the body. He used energy coming out of his hands to adjust those problem areas so the joints would line up better and remove pain from being pressing on a nerve. Others are more energetic work using sound and vibration and crystals. So I've been through all kinds of modalities. Some did amazing jobs. Others they reached a plateau and wouldn't go any further. There was something else missing in that piece. It only Maybe it only did the spiritual. It didn't look at the physical so much. So it's taking all those things combined into a, into a holistic model gets you moving forward. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the, the mental part of it because I'm sure as a research scientist, you're aware of the fact that we now know that whereas years ago we thought that the brain couldn't change beyond a certain part, that we now know that, that the way that you approach life with optimism and staying active, thinking-wise, and adding meditation, various kinds of things can actually make changes in, in the brain in terms of new connections, new neural pathways, and sometimes even new neurons. I'm glad that you picked up on that because I do think that's a, an important element in addition to what we do physically. 
Oh, that was another piece of my path I didn't mention. I've, I've been involved, as I mentioned, a lot of emotional abuse. So I've been going to a lot of workshops since the 80s that help release that type of energy from the body. And it's still going on. It's not an overnight thing. That's another thing people should realize. If you approach something that's alternative and you think it's going to solve your problem in one or two visits, it probably won't work. If you realize it's a journey, over time, even if it starts out painful, over time it gets easy. Yeah, it's kind of like the equivalent of going on a diet. You don't go on a diet, reach a, a goal weight, and then stop everything. It's the same kind of thing here. People are works in progress. And, you know, I think you demonstrated it, you know, very, very much throughout the course of your life, and especially in the last couple of decades. Robert, is there anything that I should have asked you but didn't, or anything else that you want to make sure helps to get your message out there? Well, one small piece that I'd like to share with people, I know because of what's happening with houses lately, not everybody has a backyard anymore. A lot of people live in senior housing where they just have a balcony. If you can find a way, to, even a small space, four foot by four foot, will grow 16 different vegetables, each in its own square foot. There's a book out, I don't make any money on this, called Square Foot Gardening, that will show you how to do this. Just get a bag of potting soil, you start growing things, it ties so many things into that single piece because you're now eating a live food that like our bodies have other bodies, it's not just physical, so do plants. When you pick the lettuce and five minutes later you're having the salad, the nutritional content is beyond the physical. It includes those other levels of energy, you're taking it into your body as a part of your healing. So even in a small space, a hanging plant could be a tomato plant. There are some that will grow on a windowsill. So it's worth exploring that as well. What grows well in the shade? Those kind of ideas. So a small space can grow you some healthy food. Is that a published book? Or is that Yes, it is. It's so also I free online. There's, there's online groups where you can get it for free. He basically outlines a way to grow more and less space in a very functional way. A square foot of radishes next to a square foot of lettuce and a square foot of carrots instead of a row and a row and a row. And everything's walking space instead. And the name of the web book again is Square Foot Gardening by Mel Bartholomew. Well, Robert, this has been an absolute delight and an education for me. I thought I was doing a pretty good job of staying in shape, but I've learned a whole lot of additional things that can hopefully keep me doing this a whole lot longer. I do appreciate your coming on. And again, what is the way that people can get in touch with you one more time. And again, it'll be in the show notes. Well, thank you, Ron. I appreciate you having me on. I, my goal is to share this with at least a million people before I do pass away. And if I get beyond that, great. I can be reached again at RobbieDobby314 at Yahoo.com. Okay, That's R-O-B-Y-D-O-B-Y 314 at Yahoo.com. And for the listeners, if you have questions for me, suggestions for future guests and so on, I hope you'll contact me at ron.kaiser at thementalhealthgym.com. I hope you will also download, subscribe, rate, and comment on the various podcasts. We always have really interesting guests, and once a month I do a personal training program on my own. So we want to really establish a community dedicated to living enthusiastically every day of their life. Robert, thanks once again. Really, really appreciate your being with us. Thank you, Rob.